The Gallup poll, 24% of Americans believe the Bible is literally the, uh, the literal word of God. 24%, that's not much in this hour. That's less, that's only a quarter of our population. That's sad. 47% of Americans believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. And this has stayed steady, they say, the Gallup polls. I don't know if we can believe it all together or not. That's just like the polls on a president or on an election. I don't know that we can believe all that or not. So, 47%, in addition, an overwhelming majority of Americans, 71%, believe the Bible is a holy document inspired by God or containing God's own word. Now here's a cl click, the clunch, uh, the, the, cl the here's the clinch to it all. Out of all these here believes this and that and something else, it says 80% of Americans believe in God. 80%. That's unbelievable. They might believe in it, but not convinced that he is God, the Holy One of Israel. Well, let me see here. And there is a lot of misunderstanding about the Bible. Amen. Uh, some says that the Old Testament was written after the death of Jesus Christ. False. You know that? You know that. Do you not? The New Testament was written after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I want to minister to you today. From the word of the Lord. I was 20 years old when I came to him. And he performed a miracle within my life. He changed my life. He turned me around. Took the sins of my life away. Cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. I'm, I'm, how many has ever read that? In the sea of forgetfulness. Never to bring them up again. Amen. I'm only 81 next month. I mean August. So you know what? I love the Lord. He's been more to me than my father. He's more to me than my mother. He's more to me than my 14 siblings. Brothers and sisters. I'm just glad he picked me out of a world of sin and immorality and set my feet on the solid rock. Sister Marlena, bring me into a, a, a Romans chapter 8 and let me see what the Apostle Paul is writing to the church about in Rome. Here's what Paul says, who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. Shall tribulation. Or distress. How about persecution. You haven't seen it. On any wise. At this point in time. Oh you might have been. You know. Nonchalantly seen people. To thumb their nose at you. While we first came to this area. And we got out here in Clinton. Right down the road here below us here. There was people that was going like this when they found out we were Pentecostals. You know what this means? You're off. You're not all together. And we're still here. Many of them are dead and gone. So persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sore. As it is written. 
for thy sake. We are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep. Oh, no, I, 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 I'm a sheep, but I can't be slaughtered. That's not in God's promise. That's not in God's will. Oh, as it is written, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And what else? And I am persuaded. Read the rest of that. today how many has been to jail for the cross and for the preaching of the gospel been in jail incarcerated how many of you have been smitten smacked spit upon for the gospel's sake how many has had people to slap you on one cheek and you're a man or a woman enough to turn the other. That separates the men from the boys. Huh? You see, living for Greek, living for Jesus is going to cost you something. Amen. And so here we are today. And Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Give me that. You don't have it, but I, I want you to bring it up. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Find me, my brethren. Be strong in the Lord. He don't want no weak need. Man or woman, he's called us by his spirit into his marvelous light and said, I give you power to tread upon scorpions, to cast out devils, to lay hands on the sick, and they shall. Not a maybe so, not guesswork, but they shall recover. And in the power of his might, verse 11, put on the whole arm of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Go ahead. 11, 12. For we, for you, for I, we together rest, cannot, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against the powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. Verse 13. Wherefore, now listen to me, Paul says, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand what? In the evil day. If we're not in that day, tell me what day we're in. In the evil, and having done all, and having done all, and having done all. I see so many Limp wrist, weak need, men and women going to church. They don't have enough backbone. They go in, they look like they're uh, 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 twice dead and plucked up by the roots. They don't have no enthusiasm when they come into the house of God. Amen. They don't have enough. Oh, God. Help me now. 
Don't sit down on me. I got a message. We need men and women today to worship your creator. Amen. We, hey, we like to sit down and be comfortable. Preach to me, preacher. Oh, I heard that message 15 years ago. I heard that same message. Oh, you preached that uh, back in the 80s. I'm still preaching. I preached the coming of the Lord in the 80s, in the 70s, in the late 60s. And I'm still preaching it. So what's new? Nothing's new under the sun. That's what the writer said. Give me another one, please. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Okay, I'm, I'm on 14. Let's go back to 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand in that evil day. Having done all, you don't throw in the towel. I get, I get tired of weak-kneed Christians. Always complaining that nothing is going my way. Nothing suits me. The preaching don't suit me. The, Christ, the, the, the worship service doesn't, doesn't suit me. The preaching doesn't suit me. I don't like none of it, but I still come to church. If you don't like none of us, why are you here? What caused you to come to this assembly? What caused you to say, I want to be saved? For the hearing of the gospel. You can't be saved without hearing the gospel. Because Paul said, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Once you believe, you still got to hear what thus saith the Lord. Give me a high sign, somebody. Well, all right. I, I'm going to stop right here, and I better get on with my subject matter today before you want to skip out on me. Did you know? Uh, let's get the message title first. What's the title? Are we? A lot of people are not persuaded. Amen. They're just not persuaded. And you may be seated. I don't want to hold you any longer standing up. Because your seat of endurance can last longer sometimes than you can stand. You'd be surprised. What you see from the platform. I, I kind of stay on this side so, you know, it doesn't all reflect at one time. But if I pull my chair out here, I can scan the audience. And I like to scan the audience when I'm preaching. Amen. Amen. You know why? I'm not ashamed. I'm not scared to preach the gospel. Paul said, I am persuaded. If there was any man in the New Testament that had been converted by the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, it was Saul of Tarsus. Amen. He was persuaded after he met Jesus. You know what? You can't be persuaded by John Doe all the time. Amen. You gotta hear from the Lord. You gotta hear his word. Amen. Paul wasn't persuaded about all these others that was talking. He was out there condemning you in the New Testament. He was taking those who professed to be Christ. And he condemned them, and he had the power and the authority from the Sanhedrin to take those that he found in this way to jail them, beat them. But something happened to Paul, Saul. 
on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He found himself on the road going to Damascus for a purpose. He had a purpose for going there. And guess what? Before he got to where he was going, someone intercepted his travel. I think sometimes people today need to have their travel intercepted by divine intervention, by the Almighty God. While he was on his way with authority, a bright light shone from heaven and knocked him off of his beast. He fell to the ground, hearing a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He thought he was also persecuting all them people, but Jesus said, you're persecuting me. When you persecute somebody, you could be sticking your finger in one of God's children's eye. And Saul was doing that. And he said, why are you you're persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the bricks. And Saul was on his knees and he didn't hear any voice but one, Saul, Saul. He had an entourage with him like a president or a king has. He has those who were following him to, to, uh, down to Damascus. And you know what? The Lord touched him. You know why Paul was one of the strongest apostles in the New Testament? Because he had an encounter. I said he had an encounter with the master. I think some of our people today in all of our churches needs an encounter with the master. Amen. There's too much looseness in the church. I'm going to try. If nobody else stands with me, will you stand with me? You've been standing out 25 years. Thank you. Sister Maddie, Sister Juanita, Sister Eva passed to her reward. These two still with me. And I'm not saying that to be bragging, be braggadocious. I just want you to know there's some people are still persuaded. I've been in the church and been, uh, uh, well, I just celebrated my 60th anniversary, Wednesday, Thursday, the 21st. So I've been in uh, just a few months longer than 60 years. I don't say that I've apprehended everything. But this one thing I know, I press toward the mark. Have I accomplished everything I want? No. Have you accomplished everything you'd like to accomplish? No. But one thing for sure, my eyes are set. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up that I will press toward the mark for the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. Come on, get a backbone for Jesus. Quit playing church. This thing is real. Hallelujah. I said this thing is real. It didn't happen overnight. Amen. I've had my ups and my downs. I've had my battles. Paul had his battles. Amen. He fought the beast of Ephesus. He fell in the, in the deep depth of the sea. He was beaten five times, 39 stripes, save one. But yet he became the greatest apostle to the church 
writing almost half, really, 14 books of the New Testament that only carries 27. What a man that God picked to bring this all about. And he says to the church at Rome, he said, I'm persuaded. I'm set in my mind. I, I have a hope. You see, the Roman city was the most beautiful city in the world at that time during the days of the Apostle Paul. It had a population over a million people. It was and is often called the city of love. Hmm, what happened to Philadelphia? Philadelphia was the, brother, was the city of brotherly love. You better not leave your car unlocked. Amen. We're living in evil times, church. Come on. If you're going to serve God, serve him. Serve him. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Take on yourself the whole armor of God, whereby ye may quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. We're living in days when people are too carnal. Too ambitious. Amen. We're living in evil times. Paul wrote to the church. And uh, this is one subject I won't even address, but I'll give it to you. In Romans 1, 20, in Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, the apostle Paul tells them what all was going on. What's going on then is going on now. We're living in peerless times. We're living in times where you don't know a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Amen. Oh, no. Men dress like women and get sex changes? This six-foot guy last year or so, six-foot something, was having a whole lot of uh, change take place? Who would want to marry an it that doesn't know if it's a man or a woman? Talk to me, somebody. Let me hear from you. Well, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of prayer? Because the Apostle Paul taught against such lifestyles. I'm persuaded in what I have. Hallelujah. And I'm convinced that he's going to keep me. In perfect, I'm preaching to the church down in the district. Amen. I'm preaching to Clinton, Maryland. Amen. And I've been senior pastor over for almost 50, 60 years now. Pardon me. I came here in 61. Amen. So I'm no fly by night on the doctrine. Amen. I didn't wake up and get off the banana boat last month. We're living in peerless times. Don't you see that? Anything can happen at any time. And here we are. Things that are happening around the world that you don't know anything about. But the Spirit of the Lord, you need to open up and let the Spirit talk to you. God help me to be right. God help me to apply myself to the kingdom. This young lady and this young lady is going overseas in the next week or so, two weeks. This one and this one. Well, you're not going at the same time, but you're going. They'll see some things over there that probably they'll wish it is back in America. And then, with what all going over here, you feel like I've jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. Amen. This situation that we've got today, you're going to have to be persuaded. Amen. The world is persuading people like crazy. Amen. Preachers are, are, are convincing people they're right by just coming to church. You're not right by coming to church. Just because you come to church doesn't make you mean that you're going to heaven. It just means you are coming. 
but you're not convinced, you're not persuaded that you're going to die and go to hell one day. I'm not your pastor. I've been in this thing too long. Paul talks about three things here that I want to speak about, and there are about five or six of them that I won't even mention. I want to talk about tribulation. I want to discuss trust. And then I want to discuss perils, problems. The Bible tells you and I, if we'll read it and study it, as long as we are in this world, we're going to have trials and tribulations. You're not going to get out of this world without having them. Somebody said, well, I, I've been saved. Great. Great. But you're going to have trials. You're going to have some tribulation in your life. Because I was praying one time in my home church, God, give me patience. Give me patience, Lord. Man seemed like all hell broke loose against me. And I was young in the Lord. I didn't know beans from apple butter. And I, I, I went to an old brother in the church, and he had been there, and I said, Brother, I said, I don't know what's going on with me. What's the matter, Brother Reynolds? I said, I'm praying for patience, and I get trials and persecution. He said, you're praying the wrong way. <laughs> Don't pray for patience, because in patience possess ye your, come on, possess what? Your soul. So I was praying all the wrong way. And I felt the pressure from it. Give me patience. God said, I'll give you patience. You know what? We go through trials, tribulations, persecutions, but there's something different about us. We don't fall up. We don't crawl in a hole and pull the hole in on us or pull the rock over us as we get underneath it because we have a God that is able to take us through every trial, every problem, every situation that may affect you. Hallelujah. For John said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. My God is able. My God is able. Hallelujah. And we don't accept it like that. We just say, God, I'm having this and I'm having that. Come on. Get off of your lollipop and start eating meat and enter into the word of God that you can say, greater is he that's in me. I can overcome this problem. I can overcome this situation. I'm going to stand. Hallelujah. When the world's on fire, I'll go to stand. I'm persuaded. Used to be, they used to say, you need a backbone like a sawlog. You don't need a jellyfish backbone. The devil comes at you. The Lord said, rebuke him and he'll flee from you. I give you power to tread upon scorpions, to cast out devils, to lay hands on the sick, and they shall, not maybe so, but they shall. We're expecting some shalls around here. Shall deliver you. Hallelujah. We need to take on the whole armor of God. We can't fight this battle by ourselves. We have to be like the Apostle Paul. He said, I can tell you what I've been through. I can tell you what I've suffered. As Jesus was beaten by the cat they call of nine tails with sharp glass or, or sharp uh, steel at the end of the end of the the whips, beat his back, and he suffered terribly. The apostle Paul said, "I have suffered. I have suffered shipwreck." 
I've been in the perils of the deep. Three days and three nights. He knew what it was to suffer. He knew what it was to go through tribulation. Some of us, we just think, oh, I'm, I've been a Christian for so long, I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be having all these problems. You're no better than the apostles. I'm no better than the apostles. I'm no better than the early church. Amen? Come on. But we have a, have a made-up mind to be persuaded. That what? Give me back verse 35. I'm persuaded that who shall separate me from the love of Christ shall what? Shall what? Or? 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 Or pearl? Or even sword? None of this shall shake me. When you start walking with God, don't think you're going to escape all of these things. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. This is that which overcometh the world, even our faith. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not in me. I can't overcome the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not supposed to be as like the world. I'm persuaded that God is able to keep those things that I've committed to him against that day. When we come into the house of God, you know what? Some people come in drooping on a Sunday morning. Well, you've been all week. Have you been fighting the devil all week long and he's done beat you down to a nub? You don't have no spirit. You come in here, take it as it is. If it's not you, don't, don't throw it on somebody else. Just pray for somebody else. If you sit beside somebody that won't worship God, move. Don't let yourself be contaminated with that spirit that won't worship God. Shout hallelujah, somebody. Amen. If I sit next to you and you don't worship with me, the glory of God, that's what? I'm going to change partners. I'm going to find me somebody else that I can sit next to. Some people don't even sing. Some people, the words on the black, uh, on the martial media, they can't even read enough to sing the words. And they want to go to heaven. Oh, honey, sir, you're going to be out of place. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to put on our robe and crown. We're going to worship God. We're going to praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to shout hallelujah. Give him high praise. Now you were doing it earlier. Do it now. I'm persuaded. I got my mind made up. Amen. Jesus tells us in 16th chapter of John, in the world ye shall have tribulation. James tells us, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Amen. So long as we are in this world, we're going to come face to face with trials and tribulations until Jesus says, come up higher. Hallelujah. Paul said, I fought a good fight. We run from fights. Now, you, 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 you shouldn't stay around with a dude that's seven feet tall, you know, and let him beat you up. Run! Let these feet save you. 
I know what it is. I know what it is. I've been there. Not those six foot dudes, seven foot dudes weighing 300 pounds. I'm going to run, honey. I, I'm not going to be a champion against that. Run. Feet save you now. I could say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But what if he doesn't take that? <laughs> Brother Thompson, you're, you're smiling back there and laughing like a, a, a possum eating briars. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> hey! But the Lord said, I give you power yes. over your enemy. Yes. I give you power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be a witness unto me. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Ladies, go in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand your ground wherever you are. Let God be your fighter and your champion to trust him for what you're going through. You that are in the congregation, you need to take a stronghold upon the word of God and say, I am going to stand on the word. You may not believe what I want to believe, but I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to stand and fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Paul said, I know what it is. I know what I've gone through. Amen. How could he write 14 books of the New Testament? Had he not had an experience with the master on the road to Damascus. Hallelujah. And then when he went, got up, amen, he said, Lord. He called him Lord. He was a Jew. And he called him Lord. There's something about hearing the voice of God. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Lord. Who art thou? And the Lord said, I am. The I am that I am. My name is Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, what a name. You're right. Uh -huh. What a name. That name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Oh, come on now. Ever, at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things on the earth, and things under the earth. You may think the devil is all-powerful, but he's not. My God is all-powerful. He rules the heavens and the earth. He calms the sea. He calms the storm. He opens up the door. All of you have the privilege of walking through the door of salvation and believing him for all that he is. Hallelujah. Paul said, I'm a persuader. We need persuaders in the church. Young people, you need to be persuaded that you're in the best thing this side of heaven. But I have a problem. I don't see you worshiping God. I don't see you magnifying God. I don't see you clapping your hands for God. All I see is something that's just sitting there, dead, dormant, and lazy. Here I am. I told you what the pastor or the preacher sees up here or our other preachers, they think, oh, God. What kind of church is this? Don't try to tell me what you think it is. What we sing it is. What is the real church? Tribulation is going to find you. Job was one of the richest men in this, his time. He was blessed with seven sons, three daughters. He had large herds of oxen. Herds of oxen. He had donkeys, he had sheep, he had camel, and he had many servants to do the work that needed to be done. 
Job tells us the story. Read it for yourself. Job chapter 1. There was a day that when the sons of men came to present themselves to the Lord. And somebody else tagged along. Did you hear what I said? I said somebody else tagged along. While the sons of God came to worship. Every time you come to church, guess what? There's a demonic spirit that comes along. In fact, some of us might bring more than one. The way we live. The way... We come to church thinking we can two-step. But all of, along, you have brought one or two other demonic spirits with you while you come to the house of God. You don't believe that, do you? And that demonic spirit that you brought will keep you sitting in that pew and he'll tell you you don't need to pray. Oh, look at these people. Who are they anyway? They think they're better than anybody else. No, I don't. I just know one thing. I've been saved by my actions and by what I used to be. But now I'm no longer what I used to be. I'm a changed man. I'm persuaded that all that I give to God, he's able to keep. You're not going to get nowhere with God sitting down on him. You can sit and say, I'm not going to worship. These people, preacher, you're not going to make me worship. Aaron, you're not going to make me worship. You young ladies, you're not going to make me worship. Sit there all you want to. And one day, your day will come. One day, Brother Neil uh, Morrison, one day you sit there like you are with no intentions of giving that young heart to God and to do something in your early young days that you could be a blessing to somebody else. Just sit there and do nothing. And your day will catch you sooner than you think. You say, well, I'm strong. I'm healthy. I've seen strong men leave this life. I've seen young men leave this life unexpectedly, not realizing. The church is for you to keep you saved. The preaching of the gospel is to help keep you saved. And we think our salvation is when we first believe and it's all over. We don't have to do nothing else. I got news for you. You're fooled. The devil's already got your chain around your neck, taking you down the road of no return. We're living in perilous times. You don't believe that. I don't believe that. No, it's just not right. You think this is more than one man could bear, but Job came through it. He says this. I came into this world naked. When you came into this world, honey, you didn't have nothing on your bare bottom. Young man, you was a nobody. Only the mother could love you when you came out of the womb. Only the father could put up with you what you put him through. And one day, it's going to come around. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. It'll come. God has no respect or person. Job went through all this. His friends, brother, McNeil said, Job, you must have done something wrong. Boy, you, you've done something real bad for all this to happen to you. He lost his sons. 
He lost his daughters. He lost all his wealth. And his wife, she just couldn't believe. And she looked at Job smacking the eyeballs and said, Job, they was eating breakfast one morning. I don't know what they were eating. Ham hocks and, and greens and whatever. Maybe some eggs and biscuits. Flapjacks. And she said, what all that's happened to you, if God was in all of this, it would have never happened. And she said, why don't you, why don't you, 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 curse God and just die? Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? To get her, him out of her life, then who's going to take care of her? She doesn't have no sons. She don't have no daughters. Could it be that she might have had her eyes on somebody else? I've put up enough with you, Job. Just curse God and die so I can find me another man. I am persuaded. That wasn't in his notes. That wasn't in the notes. You might as well get ready. Put on the whole armor of God. Put it in your mind that you're going to serve God. Amen. You can't stand outside the doors and, and come when you want to and put God last on your agenda. If he's not first, he won't be last. Get a backbone to serve God. Trust him when you're going through your trials. When you're looking for a job, Trust him. When you're looking for something to eat, trust him. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, nor his seed, the righteous and his seed, bumming, begging, a handout. And, and they, they smoking cigarettes. They've got a nice car parked behind the building. Amen. And they got a, a got a cell phone, the top of the line. You can see them talking on it. But they're out there with a handout. You know how we can cure that? Get a job. Get a job. I've not always been a preacher. I know what it is to work. I know what it is as a 15, 14 year old to gather slop for the hogs and carry the slop up to the hog pen and, and, and wade through feeding the hogs. What they call slopping the hogs. And I did that before school, Brother William. I gathered horseweeds all through the summer. I, this was a good time for us to fill up buckets with watermelon rinds. And I thought I was really smart pulling the wool over my father's eyes. I'd put that watermelon rinds in the bottom of the bucket, a five-gallon bucket, and then I'd fill it up with whatever I could with, you know, some, some scraps that I was getting out of the garbage can. Now, let me tell you young men this. Sometimes I would, I would have to go down where I went to school with people. High school, or not high school, but in elementary school. Here I am gathering slop out of their, their, their uh, trash bins. And I go to school with them. Many times I've had to go to the downstairs to the restroom and clean my shoes off from being in the hog pen. That redhead back there, go downstairs and wash your shoes off. 
Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what? I thank God. When I came to the church, I didn't come to get saved. I had a sister invite me. I just came to get her off of my back so she wouldn't bother me and aggravate me. Keep coming, keep coming. But I went one time. And the word of the Lord came forth so powerful. About a month or so before this, we almost lost our mother with cancer of the pancreas. God raised my mother up off of the bed. I went to church. Again, I didn't go to church to get saved. I just went to see what was happening. But when I got there and the worship began and the singing began, Oh, God, it just crushed my heart. And, and then I heard the testimony. We was in a revival like six, seven weeks. And it was not just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It was seven to seven. From Sunday to Sunday. We didn't have a day off. We, we feel like if we were in here for three hours, my God, that's a long service. That was every night. And working the next day. The old timers, we've made it so soft. Old timers would take their lunch bucket to work at night and stay there till after church and praying people through to the Holy Ghost. Then they'd get their lunch pail and go to work at 11 o'clock till 7 in the morning. Oh, <laughs> folks, we're in the best of times and the worst of times. The worst of times is we can get so filled with the uh, carelessness that we forget where God is in our life. And sometimes we'll forget that we even need him. Well, I'm persuaded. I don't know about you. What am I persuaded about? This book. It's from Genesis to Revelation. It's true. And it is powerful. It'll change my life. It'll change anyone's life that wants to be changed. If they want it bad enough. If you want out of your, your doldrums and you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're feeling aggravated by what is going on in your life, give it to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? We're in the last days. I think I'm supposed to have a song here to sing. Here it is. I don't know if we have it on the multimedia or not. Sister Marlena, Brother Aaron, I don't know. How many feel persuaded today? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make things right with the Master. He's waiting on us. He's pulling us toward Him. Hallelujah. Well, here's the song. There's something flowing deep within. There's a Holy Spirit in the house. And it goes like this. There is a river that flows deep within. Oh, there is a fountain that frees, that's too low for me, soul, from sin. Come to 
the water that the west to Samaria one day he sent his disciples away and told them to go buy something to eat while they were gone there came a lady from the city of Samaria and he looked at her and he said give me a drink and she looked back at him seeing that he was a Jew hello a Jew, you being a Jew, ask me a drink. Seeing that we have no dealings and there is a, a spirit of compromising here. You want me to compromise and give you, a Jew, a drink? Listen to what Jesus said. If thou knewest. Sister Machonis. The Lord would say to you, if thou knewest. Brother Carlton, Sister Shirley, Sister Spencer, if thou knewest who it was. I asked of him, and you know what? He gave it to me. I asked of him for a drink, and he told her. He said, the water you drink of won't satisfy. Anything in this world won't satisfy you. You need a drink from the fountain of living water. The fountain of that heavenly water that comes from above. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost that he wants to give and baptize everyone with. And so, she looked at him. She grabbed his water pot, her water pot. She went into the city of Samaria, and she told all, said, come see a man that told me everything. And, she, and he asked her, he questioned her, he said, where's your husband? And she said, well, I don't have a husband. She was honest. And you've got to be honest with yourself. And she said, I have no, he said, you've answered right. You've answered right. There's a fountain. I think if you go back in the early days of our Sunday school and all, there used to be a song that our children would sing. And and here we are. We don't have no children hardly in Sunday school. We need children birthed into the kingdom of God. So I'm going to ask you today to sing this again. There is a river and it flows from deep within. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. In the name of the Lord. There is a river 
that flows from deep within. Oh, there is a fountain that frees my soul from sin. Oh, I say come, come to this fountain with its great it's it's flowing there is a river that never shall run dry are you thirsting today play softly sister Reynolds are you thirsting today if what you take in doesn't satisfy the inward man, drink from the fountain of living water. Jesus is the fountain. Drink from him. And you'll never thirst again. Because this body needs water, but we need the spiritual water that we call the Holy Ghost, the spiritual water that will satisfy the inward man. All that's in the world can't satisfy you. Millionaires, billionaires can't be satisfied. Wife and I was in, in D.C. at a museum. What was the name of it? Hillwood. Huh? Hillwood. And the one that owned it was who? Marjorie Merriweather Post. Fabulous building. Home. She died in her 50s, I think it was. But all that she had, she left behind. She did donate this or gave it to Washington, D.C. for a monument that people could come and see. But if you've gained the whole world, it doesn't matter if you're, she was one of the richest ladies in the world at that time, too. But if we gain the world and we lose our soul, what are we going to give in exchange? Nothing's worth is worthy for you and I to hold on to except Jesus Christ. Riches will not save you. Fine mansions will not save us. And all of us need a place. I'm not talking and preaching against those things, but if that's where our heart is, you're going to leave them behind, I'm going to leave behind, whatever I have. They'll take my clothes if somebody's short enough and chubby enough to wear them. I hope they do find somebody. I like to give mine away before they wear out. Somebody else can get a little wear out of them. But you know what? I want that flowing water in my life. I want that flowing spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want that connection from earth to glory through Jesus Christ. You can have it. Amen. One more time. There is a river that flows from deep Within there is a fountain that frees my soul from sin. Oh, I say, come, oh, to this water, there is a vast supply oh there is
never shall run dry. Shall we praise him this morning? Shalomote. In Jesus' name, and we honor you for it. All of it. Closing with this announcement to all those going to camp, Brother Thompson will be meeting you here at the church tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. sharp. Please make sure you are here on time with all your belongings going to camp. And be careful where you lay your stuff down. Keep them with you wherever you're bunking. Brother and Sister Thompson will return to the campgrounds on Thursday afternoon and will remain until Friday morning to bring all the campers home. Sister Thompson has already talked to all the parents. So you parents that are here this morning, Make sure your children know that they are going to be picked, or they're going to be here in the morning at 9.30 sharp. Sister Thompson already talked to you parents, but if you need more information, you can contact her on her cell phone. If you will still like to donate a, or to sponsor a child for camp, it is not too late. Please mark your envelope, family camp, and give it to the usher. To, no amount is too small. And it'll be a blessing to our children. Now remember, it's more than just going to camp and, and